Thank you very much for leading us so wonderfully and for praying for the Word. So we're going to go right into the Word. We're going to read from Revelation 3. So will you open your Bibles with me? Revelation is the last book in the Bible and Revelation 3. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people inside us who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me, dressed in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will like them be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. He who, is a, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the church in Philadelphia, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews Though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which is coming down out of heaven from my God, and I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the church in Laodicea, to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. 
I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear that you can cover your shameful nakedness and solve the, to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. May God bless his word unto us today. So when we started, we started by looking at the big picture of Revelation. So what we're doing is we are working through 404 verses of Revelation. So when we looked at the big pictures, we said that there is nothing new in Revelation, no new teaching. Everything else has been prophesied before and which is confirmed in Revelation. So there are about 800 plus quotes from the rest of the Bible that um, refers to Revelation. And then we saw that God launched the five books of the law to Moses, which is the Pentateuch, the first five books. And then we went, remember last week, we looked at how everything fits together, connecting the dots. It's like, you know, drawing a picture with numbers and you start connecting the dots. And so we looked at the rest of the Bible and read quite a number of verses to see how it fits together. But the main thing for us to know is that Christ himself comes down in Revelation and he speaks to the church. Christ himself comes down and speaks to the church. And so, as we connected the dots and read so many scriptures, we see that there is such a strong connection of what is prophesied in the, in the whole of the Bible and confirmed in Revelation. This is the diagram that I sent you um, on Friday. And so you see Christ is in the middle. So when John sees Christ walking um, um, with the seven stars and the seven lampstands, it refers to the seven stars, the leaders of the church, the lampstands, um, the churches, and Christ is walking amongst the churches. So you will see here is Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Theatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So Christ himself is walking amongst the churches and seeing what is happening. So in on the top there, last week we, we spoke about that Christ wants a healthy church. And so most of these churches are sick, they're unhealthy. And we read about overcomers in salvation. Now overcomers does not only mean those who come to salvation. Christ is talking to believers. So he is talking about 
overcoming and being faithful in resisting sin and remembering that when we um, enter into sin, there's always we can take one step back and repent and turn the other way and start living according to God how he wants us. And that's how the healing takes place. Because in the scripture today, in the chapter we, we read, repent, repent. You also continuously need to repent as a Christian. That's why it's so important for us to also have in our liturgy um, the forgiveness of sin and the assurance of grace. Because that is what the Bible teaches us as well. And then we also... As we live our lives, we also have a wonderful reward that we read about in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 15, talking about our bodies um, as a temple of God. 1 Corinthians 3, 15 reads as follows. If it is burnt up, I'll read from 14, if what he has built survives... He will receive his reward. If it is burnt up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. So, just to go through a summary of what um, the churches represented. Now, remember, these churches were real churches. And um, they were all in what we know as Turkey today. And we're going to focus on Ephesus, one church today. And so, Ephesus is also in the modern day of Turkey. So, these are real churches. But also, the message that God is giving to each and every church is also applicable to our lives. We can apply it to our lives as well. So just a summary of the churches. In Ephesus, they were distracted because they lost their passion for Christ and they lost their first love. In Smyrna, they were suffering persecution. They were refined believers um, and um, we see that the word fear not also comes in um, to when Christ talks to that church. Um, in Pergamum, it is um, a church that will go to heaven empty-handed, like we read in 1 Corinthians 3. You will get there by the skin of your teeth. You have no skin on your teeth. But, you know, you, you believe in Christ, and okay, and then you take his grace for granted and you know you're not really serious about that's the church of Pergamum they became over comfortable with being believers and so in a sense you can say they're going to heaven empty handed Thyatira another one they were deceived believers they started believing heretical stuff false teachers they also go to heaven empty handed and Sardis they were really silly in the decisions that they made, also empty-handed. The only church that gets a thumbs up, well done, dedicated believers, is Philadelphia. And then Laodicea is the one that we read about now. They say uh, it's a very rich church, 
and they are uncommitted believers and they actually more worship their wealth and materialism. So we are going to look at Ephesus and see where the church was founded in Ephesus. And I want you to keep your Bibles open because we're going to... If you can't follow with me, that's fine. Um, We're going to go to Acts um, 18. Acts 18, that's where the church of Ephesus was founded. And it just sort of, in a very brief paragraph, we, we see that Paul was there and he started this amazing church. Um, and as we are focusing on um, Eastertide, we see Christ in Revelation as the risen, glorious Christ, the presence amongst the churches. And so um, Acts 8, 18 speaks about how the church was formed by Paul. Okay, Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Sancaria because of a vow he had taken. They arrived at Ephesus, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And this is where he started preaching the gospel. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if if it is God's will. Then he set sail from Ephesus. So that was the time that Ephesus started. So just to also remind us the outline of Revelation, chapters 1 to 4, we see 1 to 3 is the church on earth, 4 to 5 is the church in heaven, 6 to 18 the tribulation, 19 the second coming, 20 verse 1 to 6 the millennium, chapter 27 to 15 the great white throne, and then chapter 21 and 22 is heaven. So, those are the few verses that say to us that the church in Ephesus was given birth. Paul reasoned with the people, he left some people there, and this church grew um, in Ephesus. But we also see that when Paul went on his... Um, his third missionary journey, he spent between two and three years teaching in the city, which we read in Acts 19, verses 8 to 10. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, first three months, arguing persuasive about the kingdom of God, but some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them, he took the disciples with him and had discussions so he took the leaders aside and he taught them um, between two and three years and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks 
who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews went around driving out evil spirits, tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Then the time... Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house, naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. So this is on his next journey that he went and he was teaching them. But now we have to remember that in where this church was built, Ephesus was a very rich city. There was lots of business there, and it was well known for um, their religion, obviously, because of Jesus. And the church grew so big that at one stage it had 50,000 members. So you can imagine... um, They most probably didn't have a building. They were just preaching the gospel all the time. So in in one day, maybe around about 50,000 people would hear the gospel. But then we see that because of this idolatry and people coming to know Christ, these these figurines that they were worshipping, Obviously, the people who made them were now losing out of business because they were chucking them away. And so they were against him because they were losing out on their money. But the other um, idol that they worshipped was a goddess um, known in the ancient world as Diana. And this goddess was a horrible-looking Um, figurine and it emphasized fertility and it was believed by the superstitious Ephesians that Diana fell down from heaven and the magnificent temple that they used for this worship of this goddess um, took more than a century to construct it was then destroyed but it was rebuilt again and around about 24 and a half thousand people were worshipping in this. But the practices that they had was um, really an abomination to the Lord. They were burning incense, incense and then people would come into a frenzy, uh, emotional fren- frenzy, and they would have um, shameful sec- sexual orgies. Um, so the people of Ephesus had to really know who their Lord was to come out of this and worship God. And the church was so strong and so healthy that Paul writes a letter to the um, Ephesians 10 years after the, the 
church was built. So we're going to Ephesians now. It's important for us to know um, the history of the church so that we can understand Revelation and what the Lord is saying to them. So in Ephesians 1 verse, uh, in chapter 1, Praise be to the Lord, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. The Ephesians were passionate for Christ. The Ephesians did not lose out on any second in their life not to share the gospel with other people. And so Paul is reminding them of the gifts and the blessings that they have when he, as he starts and he greets um, this church. And then he, he says, Therefore, because of all of this that you have been faithful to and you have been overcomers for this reason ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints I have not stopped giving thanks for you remembering you in my prayers I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right, right hand on the heavenly of in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. So here we see this rule again of Christ in Revelation. And so then in the book of Timothy, we see that there are now um, things start falling apart for the Ephesians. So in the book of 1 Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, Please stay in Ephesus a little bit longer because you need to correct the false teaching that is happening there. And so Timothy does just that. Let's go to Acts 19. Acts 19, verses 26. And this is what happened when everybody was against Paul and Paul had to flee. Um, 19, Acts 19, verses 26. 1926. And it says, the riot in Ephesus. About that, I'll read from 23. About that time there arose a great disturbance about the way, and that was now people were throwing away their idols and they were coming to worship Jesus and the people who were making the idols were in uproar. A silversmith named Demetrius who made silver shrines of Artemis brought, Artemis is what the Greek people called the goddess of Diana brought in no little business for the craftsmen. He called them together along with the workmen in related trades and said Men, you know we receive a good income from this business, and you see and hear how the fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus 
and in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that man-made gods are no gods at all. There is danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Diana or Artemis will be discredited and the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. When they heard this, they were furious and began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city was in uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus and Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia and rushed as one man into the theater. Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples would not let him. Even some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, sent him a message begging him not to venture into the theater. The assembly was in, was in confusion. Some were shouting. One thing led to another. Most of the people did not even know why they were there. The Jews pushed Alexander to the front, and some of the crowd shouted instructions to him. He motioned for silence in order to make a defense before the people. So this is just showing us how difficult it was for the people in that um, environment to keep to Christ. And, um, yeah, that, you know, Paul's life was in danger there as well. So then we see several months later, Paul met with the Ephesian elders on the nearby island Miletus and made his farewell address in Acts 20. We're not going to go there. We're running out of time. But we can see that this love and this tender-heartedness in Acts 20 of, of the leaders crying with him, praying with him, wishing him well, blessing him on his way. And the picture now is of a church that has been carefully nurtured to the point of vitality. So this is um, before um, he wrote to Timothy, this is just a well-watered, nourished, good, strong church. And so then things start falling apart for the Ephesians. And... Um, and we have no way of knowing whether they corrected their problem. Um, remember, all the disciples and the Apostle Paul were all martyred. But sadly, the church of Ephesus does not exist anymore today in Turkey. It died out completely. And it is now a complete Muslim place. There is no Christian church where the Ephesus church was. So now let's go to Revelation and read about what Jesus is saying to the church in Ephesus. So we read this in chapter 2. To the church in Ephesus, to the angel. Now angel means messenger, and that means that um, I am the messenger from the Lord. So it's speaking to all leaders of the church. We are to tell the church. I am to tell the church at St. Andrews. Here, the messenger of the church in Ephesus write. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. Now remember, where did they come from? 
They were a strong, vibrant church, working hard. So God, so Christ is saying, I know your deeds, I know what you've done, your handwork and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. Those are the ones that Timothy said, these teachings are not right. You must follow Christ and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. What does that mean? I think every one of us, um, you have a testimony of your life when you have come to know the Lord. Sometimes we are, you know, really on the go and we full of the joys of the Lord and um, we're passionate and sometimes we get tired and we, you know, you know, give me a rest, Lord. But that's not that kind of thing. The, the, you've lost your first love, meaning is that you're not putting Christ in the center of your life anymore. Christ is the one that needs to be enthroned in your heart. Christ is the one that needs to be on your thoughts when you wake up in the morning. Christ is the one that should be in your thoughts when you go to sleep. When you make a decision or when you make choices in life, Christ should be the one that appears. And your first love means that you are so passionate for Christ that you cannot wait to tell someone about Jesus. And this is how this church grew, up to 50,000. And th so that means your first love. And I think that can happen to most of us because of whatever. And mostly sometimes because we're not doing the basic things, like we're not praying regularly, we're not doing Bible reading, we're not speaking to the Lord during the day. Sin. Sin could be something that is also separating us from the Lord. Remember, one step back, we can repent and we can carry on, knowing that we need to leave that behind us. Verse 5, remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. So I can imagine that they were passionate, everything, and then all of a sudden... They were not really interested in, in doing God's work. They came to church, yes, you know, um, just being comfortable. I will come to you and remove your lampstand. Lampstand means the presence, the presence of God. We need to, every church needs to see Christ to be able to function healthy. Remember sick, sick church? healthy church. And as we repent, we receive healing as well. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practice of the Nicolaitans. Nicolaitans it was a sect in the early church and they believed in secret things. So false teachings and that only they could know. You know, not everybody could know. He, now this, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes those who stay faithful to Christ, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, 
which is in the paradise of God. So for us today, when we come to the table, we we can come asking God to fill us anew with his spirit so that we can have that passion for him as God requires. That we will again have that first love as he requires. So let us pray.